And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I love West too, baby. I love being here. You know what I mean? Um, I think if you were, have been here for a while, you saw the video, but we're in a new series called Boomtown. Okay. And last week Ross preached and he preached about sending us as believers to be the salt and light and to be the people of God for the good of this great and booming city that we call Austin. And he also challenged us to take steps towards committing to a local body. Whether that local body is here at the Austin Stone or somewhere else in the, in the city of Austin. It could be anywhere. We, we pray for a lot of churches in Austin, Texas, and we ask God to move. We did it in our prayer service a couple of weeks ago. We ask God to move in specific congregations that are not a part of the Austin Stone, but they're a part of the big church. So if you feel led to be there or called there, go for it. That's okay. We, we, we want the city to flourish and the churches in the city to flourish. But when you go, wherever you may be, whether it's here or there, commit to the church. Commit to that local body. Don't just be a spectator. That's what Ross preached about last week. And if you want to hear that sermon, you can go back and listen to it. But today, I'm going to preach to you about evangelism in this boom town. All right? And as soon as I said evangelism, I heard somebody go, hmm. <laughs> man, I know some of you are thinking, man, Jimmy, uh, why you got to be preaching about evangelism today? I should, I should have, man, I should have not come today. I should have, I'd need to come next week when somebody preaches about something else. But no, I am preaching about evangelism. And you might want me to just start singing a song and, and then lead you in worship and then let you go home. But no, that ain't going to happen today, okay? Um, you're going to hear about evangelism. And I know when we think about evangelism, as Christians, uh, we know that we should be doing it, right? We do. Um, and I know that uh, we know the benefits of it. We know most of us at least how to do it. Um, and, but just like prayer, exactly like prayer, we know what to do. But beyond, to be honest, we don't. Oftentimes, we just don't do it. We don't evangelize because we're uncomfortable or it feels awkward or you don't think you're good at it. And sometimes, quite frankly, you just don't want to. And I know that. I've been there. <laughs> There's been many times where I didn't want to. So what I'm going to do today, I'm not here to, to preach to you in a way that, that I want you to just walk away just feeling so convicted. I'm not here to convict you for things that you're not doing, okay? That's not why I'm, I'm here to preach about evangelism, but that is good and godly. If you feel that conviction today after this message, that's a good thing. It is. But what I want to do, my goal today is for you to take a step, a step towards evangelism. And I don't know where you are, where you fit on that spectrum, but if that's, at that step is zero to one, take it. If it's four to five, if it's six to seven, if it's eight to nine, and if you're a 10 in this room, ha, you want to come preach right now? I mean, because you'd probably be pretty good at it, you know? But if you are, like my, my biggest thing is I want you to take a step somewhere within that, within that range, whatever that is, whatever that step may be. Surprise. But my prayer is this, that God would gift us with the courage to take that step, just to take a step. Because if we're going to love a booming city like the city of Austin, then we will need to be bold and unashamed of our sharing of the gospel to those around us. We'll need to be. So if you got a Bible in your hands or if you got one on your phone, you need to pull that out right now and the scripture will be behind us. But I'm going to walk through all of Romans 1 verses 1 through 17. I'm going to walk through all of it and I'd love for you to follow along with me as I did that, as I do that. But we're going to start right now with Romans 1 16. It's the verse that the two verses I'm going to talk about this morning. It says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let me just pray for us again. God, I just read your word. Lord, now as I exposit this, Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to learn something new about you and about what you want us to be doing. Would you lead this time? God, we need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's what I want to do, y'all. I want to walk us through verses 1 through 15 to get us to 16. I want to give you some context, all right? And the context is this. Paul is writing this letter to believers in the city of Rome. He's writing it to believers. The reason I know that is because in verse 7 he says, I'm writing to those of you who are loved by God and called by God to be saints. And he knows them. In verses 8 through 13, he says he prays for them, he misses them, and longs to see them so that they, they may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. His faith and their faith. It's a mutual thing of being encouraged. And I could go on and on, even right now, I could just talk about how we as believers need to hear the gospel from each other often. It's a mutual encouragement of our faith. We need to be sharing it with each other. Not just to non-believers, but to one another. And Paul says it's a mutual thing. He goes on in verse 14 and he says, I'm under obligation to preach to the Greeks. And that word in the Greek means Greek people. And people that have adopted a Greek culture. And then he says, I'm also obligated to preach to the barbarians. And what that word means in the Greek is people that are not Greek. (laughs) And they haven't adopted that Greek culture. And if you think about it, if you think about Paul and what took place with Paul when when he met Jesus on that road, right? When Jesus told him, he said, I am sending you to go preach the good news to Gentiles. To Gentiles, which basically means people that aren't Jewish. I don't think many of us in this room are of Jewish descent. So Paul was called to preach to people like you and like me. He was called to preach to people like us. And what's amazing about this obligation that he felt, he says, I'm obligated, but I don't think he, I don't think he, he, I know he felt like he had to do it and he had this responsibility, but at the same time, verse 15 tells us that he had this eagerness about it. There was an eagerness that he really wanted to, was eager to tell them and share the good news of the gospel to them. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 16. Paul's eagerness lets these words out, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So let's examine this verse 16. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Being ashamed means to be exposed or embarrassed or afraid of what others might think. And I know that Paul says this. He says, I'm unashamed. But I think he wrote this because there were people in Rome and the church there, the believers there, were ashamed to share about their beliefs to the people there in Rome. And you may be thinking, man, how can I relate to this? Many of us have related to this before. There's been a moment in time when you've been afraid as a believer to share your beliefs about a certain topic or the biblical view about something. So we can relate to them because Christian, a lot of times um, we're not wanting to share our Christian views because of what cultural Christianity makes us look like or what we might look like to some people. Am I right about that? <laughs> Or, you know, you might not want to share your views or your biblical or Christian views on sex or race or name that hot topic. You think you'll get shamed or rejected by people, so you don't do it. You don't share your biblical worldview, the biblical view about that. 
But Paul says here that he is not ashamed. He's not ashamed at all of the gospel because it's good news that comes with this unrelenting power that brings, that brings people to salvation and a saving faith. And that has implications on my own life. When I think about that, for me personally, it's not something I need to, to hide or be ashamed of, but it's something that produces this power and it has power because it's actually what has saved me but it's also actually what keeps changing me and continuing to, to work on my heart to make me look more and more like Jesus. And I shouldn't be afraid of what people may think or say or do to me, especially if I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. So in that, it gives us as Christians this sense of power, the sense of power knowing that we can be, whole, we can be bold and bold to share our own mess ups and our own flaws and our own sinful tendencies, we can be bold enough to confess our sins to one another. The world tells us not to do that. Don't be vulnerable about that stuff. Keep that to yourself. But as believers, we live differently. And we show others that the gospel isn't just for perfect people. It's not. But the gospel is for rejects, prodigals, sinners like you and like me. Sinful people. That's who the gospel is for. So let's keep reading verse 16, the second half of that. For it is the power of God for salvation to everybody who believes. Every soul that actually believes in this will be powerfully changed by this good news. That's what he's saying right there. It's a life-altering and life-changing news. What's powerful about it is that people can actually be seen and known by this holy and perfect God because he's the one that's holy, Amen. He's the one that's majestic. He's the one that's wonderful and mighty and infinite and all-knowing and all-powerful. And we are not. We're not. And in order to even get close to this glorious God, there needed to be something that broke through the chasm that separated us. It separated us from this perfect being. There's no way that I could do anything to get to him. The chasm is too far, it's too wide, and I can't obtain it. And I have, to, I have no power to remedy that situation. I don't. In and of myself, I don't. And Paul is telling us in Romans 1 that there is a power that can actually save. It's the power of God, and that power of God for salvation to everyone who believes is called the gospel. <laughs> The gospel. And out of everything the gospel could be described as, it's described as power. And not just any power, but God's power. And not just God's power for anything and everything, but particularly for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. And some of us think that it's sad, but some of us do think that our being kind or our being persuasive or our being sacrificial is the power that can point people to the gospel so that they'll trust Jesus and be saved. Of course, Christians, like, we should be kind. When we talk about Jesus, it should be persuasive. We should do sacrificial things for one another. But that's not where the power lies. It's not. No one has ever been saved by your kindness. No one has ever been saved by your persuasive words. No one has ever been saved by your sacrifice or our sacrifice. The power of salvation is in the kindness of God, 
which is found in the gospel. Not just words of persuasion, but of power, commanding people from darkness to light, from death to life. And people are saved not by our sacrifice, no matter how great it may be, but it's by the gospel that tells us the good news that God himself sent his son for who? He sent his son for us. For us. And then he goes on and says this in verse 16. He says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's a funny way to say that. But as I looked at that, I thought, man, huh? yeah, that makes sense, Lord. Yeah, because Jesus came from, he was Jewish, so he came from that lineage. And those were your people, the Old Testament, the New Testament. It tells us all these wonderful things that you did for your people. I get that. And I see that. But what, what struck me is when I saw, read the words, and also for the Greek. Paul's just not talking about Greek people here. He's talking about everybody else outside of the Jewish religion, everybody else, every ethnicity, all the other people. And then I, I, thought, I thought, man, huh, Sunday, and I'm here now, so I'll say it in the present tense, I'm a black man preaching in front of a predominantly white congregation. And if someone hadn't shared the gospel to my great-grandpa, he wouldn't have shared the gospel to his son-in-law. And that son-in-law wouldn't have shared the gospel to that grandson. And that grandson wouldn't be standing here before you preaching the good news of the gospel to you today. Y'all, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that the gospel was not just for the Jew. But it was for people like you and people like me. People like us. It was for us. And I love that Jesus told his disciples Something amazing. His last words to his disciples were this. Matthew 28, we read it already, verses 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Do you all see something here? <laughs> we're in this room. Because the men and women that heard Jesus say those words obeyed. That's why we're in this room. Have you thought about that before? I thought about that this week and I had this question in my mind, man, and I think every one of us should, should sober up right now and think about this. If the Christians back then had my or your view on evangelism, if they had your favor or my favor towards evangelism, if they had my obedience towards evangelism, would I be saved today? Would the gospel have reached me through the centuries and across borders? Would it have made it to me? Jesus tells them all authority has been given to him. And the first thing that he tells them after that, he tells them to go and make disciples. And I learned something awesome. I learned a lot from Terry Lee Cobble this week. And she said that in, in the, the word disciple means learner. And I love the way that she phrased that. She said, go and make learners. Learners. People that want to learn more about Jesus and follow him. And he says, everything I just taught you, you need to go share with everybody. Everybody. And he wants them not to just share with the people that are just like them, but he wants to share with all nations. That's what the word nations there is ethne. That's where we get our word ethnicity. 
all ethnicities, every background, people that look like you, people that are like you, and people who don't look like you, and people that are not like you. People that have the same political views as you do and people that don't have the same political views that you do. People that live on the east side of the railroad tracks or the east side of 35 or Mopac and people that live on the west side. It's for all people. People that are introverted and people that are extroverted. People that make that ugly face sometimes when you're looking at them and you know they're listening. And people that smile at you when you're talking to them. People that... People that are single, people that are married, people that are young, people that are old. He, he said, yes, I want you to go tell everybody, everybody. And Jesus told him, as you are going, as you are doing this life with others, tell them about me. Make disciples. Make disciples. Share the gospel. Tell them and teach them everything that I've commanded you. And know this, I'm with you always even until the end of the age. So church, even with that statement Jesus made at the end, we're supposed to still be about this business. We're supposed to still be about this business of sharing the gospel and making disciples. Wherever you are planted is where you should be making disciples. Wherever you are planted is where you should be, not be ashamed of the gospel. Wherever you are planted is where you should share the good news of the gospel to any and everyone not just that you feel led to, but people you love. Because if you're loving, you would share. You would. And we do. So we're, not, we're unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's not just for Jewish people, but for every ethnic, every ethnicity. Y'all good? All right, we're going to move to verse 17 now. So verse 17 says this, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And that as it is written part, um, that's taken from Habakkuk. And it's an Old Testament saying there that is cited three times in the New Testament. Well, when I read the word righteousness here, it's not talking about you making yourself right before a holy and perfect God. It's not talking about you doing all the things you can do to get right before God. No, righteousness here is saying that he's the one who gives us right standing with God. He's the one who reconciled us to God. And he's the one that's done the work. This faith of ours is not based upon our works, but he's done it. And now we get to be people that let our light shine so that people see these little works that we do here on earth and glorify God. And the phrase that he uses here, from faith for faith, it's really interesting. When I, when I looked at it, I thought, man, I don't know what I'm going to say for that. And then I did some research, and now I know what I'm going to say for it. <laughs> and here's what, he, what I found out. The word faith here is all-encompassing. It's by faith that one initially receives the gift of salvation, which is eternal life. But it's also by faith that one lives each day in light of that salvation. That's what he means here. I believe this verse means that having your faith from start to finish. When you believe that faith is kept from start to finish throughout this sanctification process until you see Jesus face to face, from faith for faith. And we're being sanctified and reminded of the gospel often, even as believers. 
It's good for us to be sanctified because Jesus actually has done the work. We fight to be those who live by faith because our faith is in this person of Jesus who we believe will return one day. And we believe that if we live by faith, if we have faith in believing that he actually will, it is by faith that one initially receives the gift of salvation, which is eternal life. But it's also by faith that one lives each day in light of that salvation from faith for faith. So if we're going to love a booming city like the city of Austin, then we will need to be bold and unashamed in our sharing of the gospel to those around us. That's the passage. I'm done with the passage. Now I want to give you all some next steps. I just wanted to take a few minutes to exposit this and to give you some context to why I want to give you next steps to what you ought to be doing and where you, what you should be fighting for. So how do we do this? How do we do it? What are some practical things that we could do to get from zero to one or four to five or seven to eight? What are those practical things? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm here to let you know. For the believers in this room, I got some for you. And then for the non-believers, y'all ain't gonna get out of here without getting something. Y'all have application as well. So if you're a non-believer in this room, there's some application in this message for you as well. But for believers first, let me talk to you. All right, I want to share with you something that Ross shared with us a couple of months ago. He got it from the Ferguson brothers, and um, it's this acronym called BLESS, all right? And again, the whole concept of evangelism may be seen daunting. It might seem daunting, but the idea of having to be faithful in our evangelism in a city that is booming may leave us paralyzed because people are just, keep, they keep coming. All these folks just keep coming from everywhere, and we're like, man, how are you going to evangelize to so many people? It may make you feel paralyzed. But whenever there's something really, really big and great that you're called to accomplish, for instance, like maybe some of you fellas in here might, might resonate a little bit. Some of you wives might resonate building a playground in your backyard. You know what it's supposed to look like, and you hope that it'll look a certain way. And then you're like, man, it's all these pieces of wood. That's just a lot of stuff. And it takes a lot longer than you expected. It does. But you do it piece by piece, piece by piece. And then finally, you get to the end and you see what you were hoping to see. And I know some of you are doing these New Year's resolutions and some of you are like, man, woo, or I was at least, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in two weeks. <laughs> that ain't happening. Come on, man. That ain't going to happen. Nobody, no, I don't, not too many people at least can lose 50 pounds in a week, or, I mean two weeks. You got to take it one pound at a time. It's one pound, one step at a time. So I want to get us there. I want us to take one step at a time. I'm not telling you to leave here and then go share the gospel to this, whoever, whoever may come to your mind during this sermon. I'm not telling you to just go do that now. If you feel led to, go for it. But I want to give you some steps to be able to get there. Y'all with me? Okay, so this acronym called BLESSED. The B stands for be prayerful. The L stands for listen and learn. The E stands for eat. That's what I'm talking about. The S stands for serve. And then the last S stands for share. These are simple steps that you can take to get from zero of not sharing the gospel to actually sharing the gospel to people that you know and love. So the first one is be prayerful. Be prayerful. Again, evangelism might sound daunting, but evangelism divorced from prayer will not be effective and it will not honor God. I'll say that again. Evangelism divorced from prayer will not be effective and it won't honor God. 
So we're dissecting this and breaking it down because we know that we need to be more prayerful. Amen? We do. We as a church, we as a people need to be more prayerful. So often we forget how powerful prayer actually is. We do. Y'all, there's a song that my grandpa used to sing. And every time he got to the second verse of the song, uh, I would always think, man, Lord, I, I just... It reminded me to just pray for, pray for my relatives and the people I didn't know, didn't, know, didn't think knew Jesus. It reminded me to, to ask God to do much in their lives. And, you know, if he was here right now, he'd stand up here because he was a pastor, but he'd stand up and he'd just be like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to meet my mother there. This is what she'll say, y'all. She'll say, Lord God Almighty, here come my child. He must have got here by prayer. And what's amazing about that, what's amazing about that is those words, he must have gotten here by prayer. My grandma, my papa would look and, and think about going to heaven and he would think about seeing his mom. And the first thing from her lips would be, oh, you must have got here by prayer. I prayed for you. Relatives prayed for you. Many of y'all, my friends prayed for you and look at you, you're here. Prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful. So y'all, I want to I wanna do something right now. I want to do something. I want to ask you something. We're going to do something tangible right now within the middle of the sermon. I want to ask you a question. Can you think of one to three people that you know either don't, that you know don't know Jesus? Can you think of one to three people and would you ask God to give you the courage to share the gospel with them? Can you think of one to three people? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab out a sheet of paper. If there's a, a pamphlet right in front of you or um, you can use your phone. The believers in this room, I want you to actually take down names. And here's what I want you to ask God, okay? I'll make it very clear and concise for you. Just say this, Lord, who do you want me to share the gospel with and pray for? Lord, who do you want me to share the gospel with and pray for? And let me tell you something, whoever comes to your mind, just write their name down. Whoever it may be, just write their name down. Lord, pray that prayer. Lord, who do you want me to share the gospel with and pray for? It could be a coworker. It could be neighbors, parents, friends, people in your family. And honestly, y'all, it could actually be a believer as well because we do need to hear the gospel too. Write those names down. One, one to three different names. If you got more, keep writing. And now I want us to actually pray for boldness to share this good news to them. So we're going to pray right now. Some of you might want to pray out loud. Some of you will pray under, like, just alone by yourself right now. Even though you're with people, you're just going to talk to God in silence. But I want you to pray, and I'm going to lead you through it. Here's what I want you to pray. Would you pray for wisdom? Ask him now. Lord, give me wisdom on when and how to share. When and how to share the gospel with them. And then pray for them. Lord, would you change their lives? God, would you do a work in their heart? Would you let them take a next step towards learning more about you? Would you ask God to give you the boldness, even though it might be awkward, give you the boldness within the awkward, give you the courage to just share? So, Lord, I pray for that. 
I beg you, Lord, to give us that courage. I beg you, Lord. God, I just think about if all of us did this, <laughs> I think somebody's going to come to know you, Jesus. <laughs> I really do. So, Lord, I'm looking forward to the stories of people that, that say that they had the boldness and the courage because they prayed and they were praying as they were sharing the gospel. And people came to know you. And, Lord, it might not happen the first time they share the gospel. That's okay. But, Lord, I just pray that they would continue to live it out and share the good news to people that they love. God, would you change many lives of names that we've written down? In Jesus' name, amen. So that's the first one. It's prayer. Be prayerful. The next one is listen and learn. Listen and learn. A listener asks really good questions, right? They do, or, or they, a person that asks questions is a really good listener most of the time. And they learn so much just from simply asking. Y'all, I got this neighbor across the street, and she's awesome. She's an elderly lady. Um, I think she's probably in her 80s or so. But um, sorry if I called you elderly in your, in your 80s. I apologize. Uh, I know it's a true statement, but uh, yeah, I'm going I'm to rewind that. Okay, um, but I will say, like, I love talking to her because I learned so much from her. All right? Uh, I'll ask her questions. And first, we start talking about the weather because that's what people do. You know, hey, weather looks nice outside. Oh, it's sunny. Man, it looks good. And then we just, I start asking her specific questions about her life. And you know what happens when I ask her those questions? Y'all, in my mind, I start jotting down prayer requests, ways I can pray for her. And I think you could be doing that too. And then when I ask her questions or if I'm talking to other neighbors or talking to other people, I start asking really good questions and, and, and I start seeing why they do or they don't believe in the good news of the gospel or maybe what they're not believing about the gospel in that moment. It's, it's good to ask those questions, but you know what else it does that amazes me is that it shows them that you actually care about them. When you're asking good questions, it shows them that you care about who they are, about their life, and how they got to that neighborhood or whatever the case may be. You're learning about them. Christian hospitality is, is awesome, right? And we're going to get there. But, man, like for us to be prayerful, listening, and learning, man, I just think that would do wonders for our relationships with people. I do. But sometimes we're too busy to just look up and look around and ask, God, who do you want me to listen to this week? Who do you want me to ask questions of? Who do you want me to pray for? So be prayerful, listen and learn. And then the next one is one of my favorites, eat. All right? So eat. Okay, and some of y'all might be shocked that it's eat is on there. And some of y'all might be like, oh, man, that's great. I didn't know I was sharing the gospel every time I ate. I'm like, actually, you're not, okay? But when you share it with people, when you eat with people, that's a great setting for fertile ground for evangelism to actually happen. As you get to know people and you're doing that listening and learning and, and you're praying as you're eating and, and, and enjoying life with other people, it's a great fertile ground for evangelism to take place. It's fertilizer because everybody eats, right? Everybody does. Why not do it with other people? Why not do it with us? Why not invite your neighbor to your backyard for, for a cookout? Why not invite your coworker over for a cookout at your house? however comfortable, comfortable you might feel even in the season of a pandemic, like inviting people, making a meal for them. You can sit outside, it's okay. Y'all, during the pandemic, 
It was really awesome. Uh, some of the women in our neighborhood, uh, one of them, I think it was one, um, my wife can correct me on this, but one of them uh, reached out and was like, man, I'm tired of like, seeing the people in my house. I need to see some other people. And I need, I need to see some more women up in here. Like, I just need to be around some ladies because, yeah, I just need to be around some girls. So they, they sent a little text or a text thread. And then next thing you know, uh, my wife decided to volunteer our front yard. So our front yard got volunteered and about 20-something women show up with chairs and stuff and they sit six feet apart and they just sit in our, our front yard and they just talked from like 7 until 11. And they talked about a lot. I mean, I, I snuck out there a couple of times and a couple of times they were talking about bachelor, bachelorette stuff and I was making fun of them. But I will say like they talked about a lot of deep things and things that weren't so deep. They just hung out. And I can tell you this, the people that were in that circle, they're all now on this awesome text thread and they share prayers with one another. And they're, they're, they're sharing things that are going on in the neighborhood with one another. And I, I, and I can't say that all of them are believers. I'm not sure if they all are because I know there were other women that were there. And I know the guys got together and we invited one of my neighbors who wasn't a believer. And me as a pastor, he got to see that I'm so much like him because I say really stupid things too. <laughs> and I do really dumb things and I got to apologize for it. He, he saw me in a different place where he could be like, oh man, like I kind of like this dude. Like, man, this is great. And, and we've started somewhat of some kind of friendship of some shape or form. So Christian, Christian hospitality is, is truly countercultural. But we need to be inviting people into our home. Invite them over and, and have a meal with them. So eat. So you listen, learn, and be prayerful. And then the last two is serve. Share and serve. So um, make no mistake, the gospel is something to be declared with words. It is. But it's also something that needs to be demonstrated with our actions. Because without serving, one can't replace the other, right? We need both. So the early church was known for serving and loving others and doing that really well. There are so many needs all around us in the city of Austin on your spheres of influence. But we need to just look up. Get our eyes off of our phone and look up and see them. Does that neighbor of yours have that really high grass that you make fun of sometimes. They have that high grass or, or they have all those leaves on their yard. Why don't you, when you do your grass or you hire someone to do your grass, why don't you pay for theirs to be mowed and for their leaves to be picked up and go knock on their door and say, hey, I just did this at my house. I'd love to serve you by doing this for you. People love acts of service. Y'all, when my family has been sick over the last couple of months, people have brought us meals and it's been awesome, y'all, because I was the one that had to cook. And it's been amazing to, for people, I felt so loved by people bringing us food and, and things like that happen. And people feel loved when they're served. You felt it before. You feel so loved when people come and they serve and they sacrifice for you. It's an amazing thing. And I ask myself, man, I, can you imagine, y'all, like what if, what if, imagine the impact if we as Christians in this city were known for being servants. It would be major. So serve. And the last one is share. And what I mean by that is simple. Share your story. Share your story when prompted. Be explicit and be kind and be clear. Church, the biggest reason we should share is because we love others like we want to be loved. If you've got friends that you've been friends with for an extremely long time and they've never heard you speak about Jesus, they've never heard you share the gospel, I just want to challenge you. That needs to change this week or this month. That needs to change. You love them. Show them that love. It might be awkward. It could be weird. But that's okay. 
Yes, it potentially could change your friendship, but I think they will know that you love and care about them. I think they will. Y'all, there's a friend of mine um, that I, I, I'm still great friends with, but he was my roommate in college. And he was one of those guys that was like, man, when I met him, he, was, he said he was a believer. And as we got to know each other and we were roommates, I was like, you ain't no believer, bro. Um, and as we walked through different steps, like we stayed friends. And then he also realized, man, I'm not really like walking with Jesus. And, and he did, he just went on a pattern. And as he was doing that, I kept praying for him. I would hang out with him. I would listen to him. I would learn. I'd eat with him. I'd pray for him often. I would serve him often. And then I would share the gospel with him as, as often as I could. It wasn't like all the time when we were hanging out, but I would share. And y'all, there was one night I got a phone call from my brother. And he said, man, I know you've been praying for me. I know you've shared the gospel with me. I just want you to know I love Jesus now. And I'm living for him. And I'm about to go do ministry. I'm going to walk into ministry. I feel called to it. Y'all, I just cried. I've been praying for this dude for so long, and I just cried. It was amazing. And last week, y'all, <laughs> man, last week, this dude sent me a text message. Right now, he's, he's, uh, he's teaching, and, and he's leading a student ministry at his church. And then he's preaching these students often, right? But he sent me a text. He was like, man, they asked me to preach on Sunday. And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, man, here's the sermon. Uh, and he sent it to me, y'all. And as I listened to that sermon, I thought, oh, my goodness gracious, this brother who I know real well, we were roommates in college, all right, is preaching to his congregation. That's amazing. Church, <laughs> there are many stories like that of us being people that, that share this gospel. And some of you may have a hard time doing that. You may not even know how to do that well. You might not. But y'all, we're going to do this thing. We're going we're gonna to start this thing. It'll be on February 20th from 5.30 to 6.30 at St. John. It'll be an informational meeting about this program we call Alpha. And here's what Alpha is. It helps you invite non-Christians into discussion about the big questions of life and the basics of the Christian faith. And we're having this group for and this session for people who are Christians and are interest, interested in sharing their faith to, to engage their friends their neighbors, their coworkers, and others who might not typically go to church. So if, that's a, if you feel that tug from you of like, man, I think I want to learn more about this. Well, there's an informational, there's a session that's going to take place on February 20th from 5.30 to 6.30. I think you should go. Maybe that could be your step. I'm not sure. But for believers in this room, somebody played a role in your salvation. Somebody did. With evangelism, God has given you the opportunity to do the same for someone else. God's giving you that opportunity to play a role in their salvation. So that's for the believers. All right, non-believers, I'm going to end with y'all. All right? Don't be afraid. I just want to ask you a question. Can I just share my story with you? I just want to share. I now serve and preach the gospel of, and the good news of Jesus as a pastor here. And I, and I preach about this God who's holy and perfect and righteous and just and sinless but my sin created a chasm between him and me. That's God and myself. My sin did that, and there was nothing I could do, no matter how good I was, no matter how good of a kid I was, I could never get to God. The chasm was far too great. It was far too wide. But there came a day when somebody told me about this Jesus, and I listened. And I didn't believe the first time. I didn't believe the second time. I didn't believe the third or the fourth time. But I wanted to learn more about Jesus. 
So I started learning more. I, wanted, I learned about this Jesus who would pay the penalty for my sins. This Jesus was, that was the only way for me to get to God. I learned about this Jesus that, that supposedly had bridged the gap between me and God. But in order for me to get to God, I had to believe in this Jesus. And there came a day when I heard the gospel again. And that day I believed. I believed. All the things that I had learned from scripture, I believed to be true that Christ had died for our sins according with the scriptures and he had been, he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And y'all, I couldn't fight it that day. I couldn't fight it when I heard the gospel from my grandpa. That day I became a believer and I've been being changed ever since. I was changed then and I'm continuing to change to look more like Jesus ever since I became a believer in sixth grade. And what's amazing about that story <laughs> is that it just doesn't stop right there, y'all. <laughs> it doesn't stop right there. The good news just doesn't stop right there with Jesus dying for our sins and, and resurrection. But this faith that God has blessed me with, I walk towards now and I endure this life with hope. I endure with hope because there's a hope that, that there's coming a day when we will stand on eternity's shore seeing justice rolling down and hearing many waters roar because soon and very soon I won't need to walk by faith no more, y'all, because those clouds will roll on back at the coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the one who saved me then will be the one that I see face to face on that day. Amen. And I look forward to that. And y'all, you can tell it brings me joy. I'm eager to tell you about it. I'm obligated to tell you, but I'm also eager to tell you about that because that's good news and I see, and that's good news that I see, that's good news that I love, and that's good news that he also offers to you today. If you're a non-believer in this room, he offers that good news to you today. So I got a question for you. What do you want to do with that information? What do you want to do with that information? Do you want to learn more? You want to learn more about this Jesus like I wanted to learn more? You can. Keep listening to the sermons. Keep, start coming to our church more and more. Get to know some people around you. Like actually touch the, the person that brought you to church and say, hey, let's, let's go have lunch and talk about this some more. And keep learning. I encourage that. But if you feel a tug right now, a tug right now to ask God to change you, a tug right now to ask God to make you believe or to lead you to belief about this Jesus because you have been learning or you just learned about him just now. Don't suppress that. I encourage you to just do it. He's listening right now. You can ask him to change you right now. That's what I did when my grandpa was preaching. He didn't, he didn't lead me through a prayer or anything. I just said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I want to be changed. And he changed me. And I've never been the same ever since. So if you feel that tug, don't resist. Just ask him to change you. And I don't want to just let that be what I share to the non-believers, but believers in this room, you've heard this message just now, right? What's your step? What are you going to do with this message? What are you going to do now? Are you going to be, continue to be more prayerful? Awesome. Do it. Is your next step listening and learning? Do it. Is that your next step? Is it inviting someone to, for your, to your house for a meal? Is it, is it serving someone? Is it sharing or going to that alpha session that we're talking about? I don't know what that step is for you, but I just encourage you to take one. Just take a step. 
Y'all, we're about to worship here in a moment. Daniel and the band are going to come back up. And I wouldn't plan on saying this, but we're going to sing a song um, that we sing at West a lot. And I love the lyrics of it. It just says, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, all praise be to you, God. <laughs> He's the one that's broken every chain. There's salvation in his name, in his name alone. We're about to sing that here in a little bit. But when you sing it, for the believers in this room, I hope that it brings you so much joy because that's true about you. It's true about who God has made you. And that's what we're about here at this church. We're about sharing the good news of the gospel, singing about the good news of the gospel, and singing to this God who's holy and worthy of all praise. This is the God who had handpicked me, handpicked you, and he picked you up. He turned you around. He placed your feet on the solid ground. And we say, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, because of what you've done. And I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it is the power of God for salvation to any and everyone who would believe, and it's not just for the Jewish people, but it's for people like you and me. And in this gospel, in this gospel, I see and experience the righteousness of God being revealed, not just that one time, but revealed over and over and over again. As I need to be reminded as a believer of the good news of the gospel, just like Paul reminds the believers in Rome of the good news of the gospel. So church, if we're going to love a booming city, then we will need to be bold and unashamed in our sharing of the gospel to those around us. It just gave me a lot of joy to share with you. I'm just inviting you into some joy, y'all. That's all I'm inviting you into. Because when you share the gospel, it'll bring you joy. It will. They may not become a believer then. But when you share, there's something that happens in you. It makes it real, even more so. Let me pray for us. God, I want to pray a simple prayer. I want to pray 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. And I want to ask you to move, Lord. I pray, God, that you remind us, believers in this room, Lord, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people of your own possession, Lord. And God, we're called to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. So Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. And Lord, for anybody in this room that felt that tug to, to take some kind of step towards asking you to change them, Lord, I pray, God, that they would do that and not be afraid of that. Lord, I pray that they would come and talk to us after the service. God, the people that wrote names down, I pray we would pray for them often. And Lord, would you give us boldness to be unashamed of the good news of the gospel? You, there's power in that. I love you, Lord. Let us sing now and glorify you now because you're the one that's worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen.